The first great scrimmage of the American Revolution was the battle at Bunker Hill. And the casualties of that battle are staggering. The Americans lost 115 killed and had 305 wounded, while the British lost 1,054 of the 2,200 soldiers engaged in the fight. In one of the most interesting characters during the initial phases of the American Revolution was a gentleman named Dr. Joseph Ward. And he was a doctor, politician, orator, really the one responsible for prodding the colonies to revolt against Great Britain. And yet, in spite of his elevated stature and dignity, he wanted to be right alongside his soldiers as they engaged the British. And it's believed that when the British stormed the redoubt on Breed's Hill, he did not leave, but stayed behind to cover the exit of the other soldiers. And an officer of the British picked up a gun, shot him in the eye, and he died. And when the opposing general, General Howe, was presented with the dead body of Dr. Joseph Warren, he said, this victim is worth 500 of their men. For a great general who lost over a thousand men in an hour and a half, that would be high praise indeed. You see, the daring courage of that great leader, Dr. Joseph Warren, inspired in General Howe the most profound respect imaginable. And the gospel this Sunday teaches us about another leader, the newborn king of the Jews, the king of kings, Jesus Christ. And friends, the way he came among us inspires in us the most profound reverence. Think about it. There is Caesar over there in a palace, while Jesus is born in the side of a cave. At birth, his throne was a manger. At death, his throne was a cross. Consider the Christmas cards that you send out year after year, the Christmas cards that you received this year. Aren't they cute? They're very cute, aren't they? You like your Christmas cards? Right? Inevitably, there's a beautiful Thomas Kincaid scenery, isn't there? With snow, with Clydesdales dashing across the frosty ground. And then angels are immensely popular today. Have y'all recognized that? Right? If I want to make a million dollars, all I have to do is start a line of angels or something. And inevitably in these Christmas cards, there they are, cute and sweet and luminous and just poised over the baby Jesus just smiling, aren't they? And what about the Holy Family? Right? They maintain a pose of perfect serenity, a serenity that would make sitting Buddha get up and dance, right? I mean, it's all so cute and so unrealistic, isn't it? It's so unrealistic. Indeed, his birth brought joy to the world, not least to his own parents. But the angels came in power and majesty, singing glory to God in the highest. And their majesty had to tell the shepherds to not be afraid. A 16-year-old Jewish girl is inexplicably pregnant through the Holy Spirit and would have to endure the taunts and the jeers of the townspeople. 
Not long after Jesus is born, he becomes the prey of a homicidal maniac named Herod. And so he and his family have to flee to Egypt. Why does none of that make it into your Christmas cards? <laughs> Doesn't. You see, our great king left his throne in heaven and entered a real, unsafe, dangerous world in order to redeem us. And that ought to inspire in your heart and my heart the most profound reverence imaginable. And you see, today the Magi are so taken aback by the self-abasing royalty of this king that all they can do is prostrate themselves on the ground, take out gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and lay it before Jesus Christ. And you know, there's been a lot of ink spilt about the symbolic character of each of these gifts, hasn't there? Gold, frankincense, myrrh, and what it means. But I propose to you that that misses the point. Because in the end, they're not gifts. They're tribute. And there's a big difference between the two. Because think about this, suppose it's Valentine's Day, and you give a gift to your wife or your girlfriend, like chocolates or roses or a new Lexus, right? whatever that might be. Right, that's a gift, freely given gift. What happens if you don't pay taxes to the government? <laughs> you end up in jail, don't you? Or you pay a heavy fine. Now know this, what they give Jesus is closer to taxes. It's tribute and not so much a gift. Why? Because if he is who he says he is, right, the king of kings and the lord of lords, then we don't just owe him, you know, gifts, right? We owe him allegiance, don't we? We owe him our very lives. Dare I say we owe him everything. Now, we should not see this as the nefarious restriction of our freedom, but rather the way he came among us and remains among us, right, makes us want to give our lives to him. And one of the men that embody this perfectly is nameless in the gospel today. Isn't it curious, in the gospel we just heard, there's one person who is absent, who's not mentioned. Do you know who that is? Joseph, right? Joseph. What's he doing? Or is he on a cell phone? Why is he checking his email? Right? Is he washing the clothes? He always gets the shaft. Have you noticed that? I told you before, he doesn't say a single word in sacred scripture. You see, he would have been the one who would not want to be in the photo. Right? He would not have a Facebook. He's going to be the one working behind the scenes. And you see, St. Joseph teaches us, right, the value of the hidden life, away from the limelight, the power, and the glory, and all of that, doesn't he? Because it was a life dedicated to work, right? He taught his son Jesus how to be a carpenter, right? How to mold that piece of wood into something beautiful. It was a life of prayer. Every day he would have prayed with his son Jesus. Right? It was a life of faith. He would have took his son to Jerusalem for his bar mitzvah. He would have told him the great stories of the Bible. 
didn't he? It was a life of fidelity. Jesus loved his dad. And you know, there's an amazing painting in New York uh, that James Martin writes about in his book, Life of the Saints. And I think it's very powerful what it says. Listen to this. He says, at an art exhibit at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in New York City a few years ago, I came upon a portrait entitled The Death of Joseph, a subject rarely tackled by artists. In the huge portrait by the Spanish artist Francisco Goya, an ailing Joseph lies in bed. I want you to think about Joseph lying on his deathbed. Standing beside his bed is a youthful-looking Jesus, perhaps 16 or 17 years old, beardless, wearing a long red tunic, staring intently at Joseph. Sitting by the bed is Mary. It is an unusual picture of the Holy Family, and one that captures the sadness of the early death of, Jesus, of uh, Joseph. So think about Joseph. Be like Joseph. A hidden life, perhaps, devoted to God. A life devoted to his family, to faith, to work, to fidelity, to prayer. And then, when you move on to the next life, there will be Mary and Joseph at your side, too receive you to the heavenly kingdom. Amen. Amen.